What's going on? Welcome into episode 147, WFS, the Will Ford Show. A lot going on in the NFL. We had uh, one coach fired uh, just a couple days ago, Urban Meyer, Jacksonville Jaguars. We're going to talk about that today, um, as well as, um, you know, kind of what other coaches, uh, who else could get fired uh, by season's end? Um, because when you when you look at it, usually around seven or eight coaches uh, get fired every year. Um, so we're gonna take a look um, at why Urban Meyer's situation, like what happened there, but also other coaches uh, that could potentially be fired, in my opinion, by the end of the season. Uh, and then the Los Angeles Lakers have started discussing internally about trading Russell Westbrook, um, which I figured was a discussion that was gonna happen sooner rather than later. We haven't even reached you know, the new year, January yet. So, and they're already having those discussions. Wouldn't be surprised if they moved him uh, before then. Let's dive in today. A lot of great stuff. Uh, so um, I guess the not so great start though is Urban Meyer being fired by the Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, when you, when you take a look at this, I was actually kind of surprised um, to, to hear about some of the things that have been going on in the Jaguars organization and supposedly Shad Khan, the owner of the Jags, has been talking about firing, or not talking about, but he's had thoughts about firing Urban Meyer since August, since before the regular season even started. Um, and you know that that's not good. If you have even the slightest inkling before your first ever game coaching in the NFL that you know this guy might not be the guy for the job. Um, of course, the, the Jags aren't a, a great team. They don't have the best roster sitting at two and 11 right now on the year. Um, that I don't even think is necessarily the reason why that I don't think that that really factors in all that much to why urban Meyer was fired because anytime you take over a new team, it's going to be a process. Yeah. You're not like, I know that urban Meyer usually wherever he went in the college realm, really he helped that, those teams win right away, you know, Utah, Florida, Ohio state, turn those programs around snap of a finger and uh, won a couple national championships. One of the greatest college coaches ever. It's much harder when you get to the professional level. Uh, and so I, I don't think the two and 11 record is indicative of him as a coach in terms of X's and O's. That's going to take a few years really to, to straighten out, you got a rookie quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, and yes, Lawrence may be the greatest quarterback prospect ever, but it's a hard ask, you know, to to have Lawrence come in and just be just light the world on fire right away. Very rarely does a quarterback ever come in and just do that in a terrible situation like Jacksonville with a roster as bad as they are. I don't factor. I don't. I don't think the record really factored much into the decision to get Urban Meyer out of. Duvall, uh, I think it's some of this outside stuff. There's reports and, you know, their kicker, Josh Lambeau, even came out and said this himself, that Urban Meyer was kicking, like physically kicking Josh Lambeau. And I think Lambeau missed a couple preseason kicks and missed maybe his first two or three kicks to start the year, uh, just maybe shaking off a little bit of rust. And I'm not going to repeat what Urban Meyer said to, to Lambeau at different points in the year, but was very verbally aggressive to him and was physically assaulting him. 
verbal abuse to other players. And I think this is where Urban Meyer might have been a little bit in over his head and probably just didn't understand how different it was going to be from college to the NFL. I mean, when you you look at college, college coaches essentially control every aspect of a student-athlete's life. Maybe not necessarily the classes they take or, or anything like that, but making sure students go to class, making sure they're getting good grades, study tables. So you, you make sure your students are on top of things. Uh, you, you control workouts. So, I mean, a lot of times these student-athletes are getting up at 5, 6 in the morning and doing workouts. I know it was that way at Muskingum University um, when I talked to to the head coach there, Eric Yeider. I mean, they had 6 a.m. lifts. So coaches are in control of that. Um, the practice schedule, obviously, and you know, nutrition, kind of controlling what athletes eat and don't eat sometimes. Coaches in college, really Division One or Division Three, have a ton of control over the day-to-day lives of student-athletes. And I'm sure Urban Meyer had plenty of control over his players at every school that he went to. Now, that I, that I think is one reason. I think he thought it was going to be similar in the NFL, and so he tried to treat NFL players the same way. And these are grown men that are making more than you in most cases, and you can't do that. You can't treat other grown men that way. And uh, I think that is a large part of the reason why he was fired. And I would not be surprised if over the next couple of weeks, maybe some college players some former college players that played under Urban Meyer maybe come out about um, some of the verbal abuse or maybe even physical assault that that Urban may have practiced while he was coaching the schools that he was at. I, I wouldn't be surprised if some of that stuff maybe starts coming out a little bit, and that would be further incriminating for Urban Meyer. And if stuff more stuff like that comes out, I don't think Urban Meyer would ever get another coaching job, even at the college level. I really don't. Or if he does, if he ever wanted to, it would probably be a handful of years. Um, and I'm not even sure if Urban Meyer can go back to broadcasting right now because he was on the Big Noon Kickoff show and all that on Fox. Great analyst, like, right away. And I don't think they would bring him back on right now. I think it would be a, maybe a couple seasons before they even did so. And not to mention that, but everywhere Urban Meyer goes, I mean, controversy follows. I mean, never forget the... Uh, the assistant coach that he hired, I think his name was Zach Smith. He was at Florida, then brought him to Ohio State, but he was essentially covering up like a domestic violence um, case. And whenever things get a little tough for Urban Meyer, he tends to quit. And yes, Urban was fired, but I maybe wouldn't even have been surprised if Urban had just left after this season. And he signed a five-year deal in the offseason. Urban Meyer's out. Daryl Bevel is going to be in. He's the interim coach. And uh, apparently they like his leadership style. And uh, I would hope so. If you're going to hire a coach, you, you like their leadership style. And apparently they whiffed big on Urban Meyer. And I expect them to to hire somebody who may not necessarily be the best be- uh, X's and O's guy, but someone who's going to establish a very positive culture. Uh, Like when you look at Dan Campbell in Detroit, I mean, you look at that culture there, the Detroit lions, 
yes, the record is what it is. They're one eleven and one or whatever they are, but they're actually not really a, an easy out. Like they they play hard. They they play really hard, and I know that this isn't really relevant to anything, but like I they might be one of the like one of the be- how do I want to say this? One of the like the best worst team. I think I'm saying that right. Like, like they just don't, they don't feel like an Owen 16 Browns team or like the Owen 16 Detroit Lions team from like 2008. They, they feel like a competitive football team and they just need a little bit more talent. Uh, and like, they play really hard. They've played teams very close. That's the kind of culture that the Jaguars need because right now they're not really doing anything competitively. Now, Urban Meyer's out almost on a yearly basis. We have about seven coaches who are fired. So Urban Meyer is the first domino to fall. Who's two, three, four, five, six, and seven? Well, I'm going to tell you, in my opinion, um, who those people are. I think the most obvious one, and this was this was going to happen a couple weeks ago, and then it didn't. Probably not going to happen until the end of the season. Matt Nagy for the Chicago Bears. Um, I, I for for Matt Nagy, it, it's really about the the way he's handled the quarterback situation over the last couple of years. And specifically this year with Justin Fields and Andy Dalton, I get, you know, you, you, you signed Andy Dalton because you don't have a quarterback. You let go of Mitch Trubisky, which for the record, I don't think Trubisky was really all that bad. He took you to the playoffs twice. Anyhow, discussion for another day. Andy Dalton comes in. Of course, he's going to be your starting quarterback because you don't have anybody else, but then you trade up to draft Justin Fields. If you don't want to start Fields the first couple of weeks, you can, you want him to sit kind of like a Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo situation in San Francisco, fine. I'm all for that. But the wishy-washiness of his decision-making, his unwillingness to kind of be clear-cut uh, about why he was making the choices he was making, it's not the best look. Um, and his indecisiveness, I, I his indecisiveness about the most important position on the football field um, I think is reason enough to to get a, to get somebody fired, especially when Andy Dalton and Justin Fields are not in any way, shape, or form the same player. Um, Andy Dalton is really not the player he once used to be. He's, he's kind of a shell of himself, and Justin Fields has all this potential, the mobility. Uh, it seems like he's a good leader. He's got a, a, a strong arm, like really good tangible qualities and then the leadership like I said is is the intangible stuff I feel like they should have turned to Justin Fields earlier and stuck with him confidently instead of kind of being wishy-washy week to week and so I think Matt Nagy will be the the first coach or not the first but the second coach fired other coaches Matt Rule from the Carolina Panthers I I, listen I, I think Matt Rule is actually a good coach I don't think it's really entirely on Matt Rule what's been going on this year because they've had injuries at the quarterback position. You know, Sam Darnold's been out. Cam Newton, listen, he's not 2015 Cam Newton. So when you trade for him, what I mean, or not trade for him, but sign him, what are you really expecting? I mean, you're you're going to get maybe one or two good games from Cam, but Cam Newton's not the same guy anymore. And so, yeah, you can't really expect all that much. But nonetheless, the Panthers have made moves this year to kind of keep them in the hunt, kind of win-now moves, and they haven't really panned out, and so I could see Matt Rule being a casualty. Again, another college coach who's trying to make it work in the pros, had a lot of success at Baylor, 
And right now, it's not really translating all that much. Now, another thing not working in his favor is injuries. I mean, you look at Christian McCaffrey, who hasn't seen the field more than five times in the last two years. You can't hold that against Matt Rule when you don't have your best player on your team. Uh, and then I think J.C. Horn got hurt to start the year, their, their corner that they drafted in the first round. Uh, so a lot of things working against him there. I I don't think Matt Rule should be fired, but I think by the year's end, he probably will be. It's funny, like Urban Meyer and Matt Rule, tons of success in college. Um, and right now the only college coach that's actually making it work in the NFL is Cliff Kingsbury, and he actually got a lot of flack for not being very successful or consistent in college at Texas Tech. So kind of funny how that works out. Uh, but Matt Rule will be another coach fired. Um, Mike Zimmer, I think, is going to get fired in Minnesota um, after this year. Um, I mean, you look at the Vikings. They've played in so many one-possession games. Um, and they've had leads in a lot of games where they should have won. I mean, what, the one game that really sticks out in my mind um, this season is the one where they were up 14 against the Baltimore Ravens. And they they gave that one up and lost, I think, in overtime. But, I mean, look at this. In week one, they lost by three points to the Cincinnati Bengals. You lose by a point to the Arizona Cardinals in week two. Lost by a touchdown to the Cleveland Browns. Barely beat a Detroit Lions team by two, uh, a game-winning field goal. Lost by six points to the Carolina Panthers. Lost by four to the Dallas Cowboys, and that was the Cowboys had a game-winning drive there late. Lost by three to the Baltimore Ravens in overtime. Lost by seven to the Chargers. One by three against the Packers. Lost by eight to the 49ers. That's still a one-possession game. Um, lost to the Detroit Lions by two game-winning drive from Jared Goff and the Lions. Lost by or and then beat the Pittsburgh Steelers by eight. That is 12 games for the Vikings this year where they have won or lost by a single possession. And most of them have been losses. Seven out of the 12 one-possession games have been losses. So when you look at it like that, like I to me that's more coaching than it is just lack of talent because this offense really can rival any offense in football. Kirk Cousins has had a pretty good year. Dalvin Cook, I think, is the second best running back in football when he's healthy. Justin Jefferson, I think, is a easily a top ten receiver. You could argue top five potentially. Adam Thielen, when he's healthy, is good. Like this is a good offense, and the defense is is solid enough to hold up in in a lot of cases and a lot of situations. To me, it comes down to coaching and and conservativeness of play calling. Um, when you have leads and you give them up, I mean, look at the the win in week 14 against the Steelers. They were up 23 to nothing at half, and they were up by 29 at one point in the game, and they almost let Ben and the Steelers come back. That's why I, I think Mike Zimmer is going to get the chop here at the end of the season because you can't play in that many close games and lose over half, uh, over half of those, um, especially considering how talented your offense is and – to me, it's inexcusable, and I think Mike Zimmer, a good coach, but he's just not having a great year. And I, and I think it's the, the Vikings have kind of been that team that have played in a lot of close games over the years, and they just can't get it done. And that's 
I think that's all Mike Zimmer. The next coach on the list, it's it's tough to say this because he's only coached for one year, but I think Robert Sala for the New York Jets. Uh, a defensive coach, and they're allowing over 30 points a game. Um, so, and, and the defense is supposed to be the strong suit of this team. Um, Zach Wilson's a rookie. He's been injured this season. And uh, so the offense, like, I, I don't really know what, what to say about the offense because I, I don't think it's good. I, I don't, they don't have good enough personnel and offense really to, to do anything. Well, they have a star at tackle and Mackay Becton um, and then Elijah Vera Tucker um, really nice draft choice at guard. Michael Carter seems like he's a solid running back, but receivers like Corey Davis and Elijah Moore seem like they're good. I don't really know, but defensively, I mean, you can't have a defensive coach and give up 30 points a game and almost 400 yards of total offense. That's just not, just not, not going to get it done. And I, he may not get fired just because it's his first season, but I wouldn't be surprised if he did. And it would just be back to the coaching carousel again for the New York jets. Another obvious candidate um, this season to get fired, I think, is Joe Judge. Uh, when you look at uh, Judge for the for the New York Giants, I think this experiment with Daniel Jones has gone on way too long. Um, it's not that Daniel Jones can't be a quarterback in this league, but he can't be your franchise quarterback. Um, he can be, be a bridge guy, or he can be the maybe the best backup in the league. Uh, but he is... He's actually he's got a play style that's actually he's much more athletic than Eli Manning, but in terms of the way he looks, but also just kind of the way he plays a little bit as far as throwing the football, very similar to a guy like Eli Manning. I think certainly throws a lot of picks like Eli Manning does, uh, but the Daniel Jones experience and experiment has gone on far longer than really it should have, and I get why they kept him this year because you know you signed Kenny Galladay you got all these weapons Saquon Barkley's coming back it's it's the offensive lines the offensive line is the main problem um no time for Jones to throw no running lanes for Saquon Barkley so if you don't have a good running game it's obviously not going to help your quarterback all that much there's only a few quarterbacks in the league that can compensate for a lack of running game and that's you know that would be a Tom Brady Aaron Rodgers Patrick Mahomes and that and Josh Allen. Those are the only guys really that I think can consistently compensate for a lack of a run game because of how talented they are. And it's just something that Daniel Jones can't overcome. Giants just don't have good offensive person. Like Kenny Galladay is overrated considering the money he's being paid. He's never on the field. And when he's on the field, he's not good. Daniel Jones isn't good. The offensive line is terrible to say the least and Saquon Barkley right now looks like a bust I get that it's not all on Barkley because he doesn't have anywhere to run really but he doesn't look very good and he doesn't look very durable the defense looks great for the Giants I think it's actually a very formidable defense but this offense you know this experiment has gone on too long Joe Judge is going to be fired and Dave Gettleman should be fired their general manager at the end of the season too uh the last coach that I have on my list and really the only reason I can see this person getting fired is just simply just because of the record. I don't I don't even know if there's really any anything that this guy's done wrong, but David Culley for uh the Houston Texans 
when you look at the Houston Texans, obviously I, I think it's the worst roster in the entire NFL. And they're not winning a lot of games. They're two and eleven. I didn't think they were gonna win a single game this year. Granted they their win their one win this season is against Jacksonville week one and then they beat Tennessee somehow. But it's a terrible roster. I don't think that's an indictment on David Culley, but it kinda of getting difficult to to pick a seventh guy when really I don't think he's a bad coach. He's just got a bad team and, and I think the front office there in Houston has to recognize that he's got literally nothing to work with. He doesn't have a franchise quarterback because Deshaun Watson screwed himself over with the case that he's in right now. I don't know where you go. You got to go back to the drawing board at quarterback. You got to draft somebody, I think, because I don't think Watson will ever play another down for the Texans again. And they've got to build something in Houston. I think Brandon Cooks is a good receiver to build around um, for Houston. But I think David Culley could potentially be a, a casualty if you know if they're not competitive in the last couple of weeks of the season um, because there's been a handful of games this year where they really haven't even been competitive at all. That that could be maybe slightly an indictment on Culley, but I, I really think it's more of a lack of talent, and he can't really control that. Some honorable mentions, but people that I don't think are going to get fired, I think, think it's very unlikely. Pete Carroll in Seattle, I think, is a possibility. But what I think is more likely is Russell Wilson is just traded from Seattle at the end of the season to a team maybe like the New York Giants or somewhere else where he would want to go play. There's obviously a rift between the two. It has been for the last couple years. And, yes, Russell Wilson was hurt for five or six weeks this season. But the Seahawks are not out of the playoff they're not out of the playoffs, but they're not going to make the playoffs this year. Pete Carroll, I think, just has too much status, though, to kind of just get rid of. He also has too much control within the organization in terms of personnel. So I don't think I don't think Seattle would fire him, but it is a possibility, and I'm throwing it out there. Another one that I'm seeing thrown out there too. Don't I'm not I'm not really sure why. Kevin Stefanski for the Cleveland Browns. Listen, you you got the coach right. The thing they got wrong was the quarterback. Granted, Baker Mayfield's been dinged up this year. I understand that. Like, really, Baker should have shut it down a handful of weeks ago, and Case Keenum should have just come in and finished the season out. Uh, the Browns could still make the playoffs. I really, I think they might miss the playoffs just barely, but I don't think Stefanski should be fired because of that. That's not... Uh, He's dealing with a lot of injuries. Of course, the COVID protocols don't help either. Um, and like the offensive line has been in and out. They've had a, a, a really a rotation at O-line this year. Again, the injuries to Baker. Nick Chubb's been out part of the year. And I, I think Cleveland fans are probably calling for Stefanski's head at the moment. But listen, you, you can't. You can't fire him. You need to do something else at quarterback, sign someone, or just draft someone again. And I think with Stefanski there to help make that choice, I think they can do a better job. But also, you know what Baker is and you know what you get. So, because drafting, getting the quarterback position right is so hard, and Baker Mayfield can play. I just don't think he's the right guy for what they want to do in Cleveland. And, uh, I think firing Stefanski would be a mistake, but again, I think it's a possibility just because of the way the season's gone for the Browns. 
So that's the NFL coaching carousel. Seven coaches that are going to get fired by the season's end. Um, and those coaches that I listed, um, Urban Meyer was the first one, but then um, Joe Judge, Matt Rule, Mike Zimmer, Robert Sala, Matt Nagy, and David Culley, I think, will be out by the end of the year. Like I said, usually six, seven, eight coaches are fired by the end of the year. Those, in my opinion, will be the guys for the reason the reasons that I just listed. Um, but the final subject that I want to talk about, one of two subjects today, the last one, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers kind of struggling this year, talking internally about trading Russell Westbrook. Um, now these aren't, these are just rumors, um, not confirmed. They haven't come out and said that they're looking to get rid of the guy, but what I will say is this, I don't think the Lakers should have traded for Russell Westbrook in the first place. I think they had, they had, they had two plans in place, um, in the off season. It was either trade Russell Westbrook, trade for Russell Westbrook, I should say, or you could sign a guy like DeMar DeRozan and trade guys like Kuzma and KCP, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, for uh, Buddy Heald from the Sacramento Kings. Now, when you look at it on the surface, if you're just kind of a casual NBA fan, Russell Westbrook is clearly a better player than Buddy Heald. And I would say might be a better player than DeMar DeRozan as well. But, and when you look at Buddy Heald, like, Buddy Heald, I'm not even sure is the best player on the Kings, and the Kings are a bad team. So, like, no one's sitting here saying that Buddy Heald is better. But, what but, uh, Buddy Heald can do things that Russell Westbrook can't, like, shoot the basketball <laughs> Russell Westbrook has never been a great shooter. I mean, you look at Russ this year, he's averaging under 20 points a game, 19 points, 7 rebounds, 8 assists. Uh, but he's shooting 45% from the floor, which isn't terrible, but 31% from three, 67% from the free throw line. I mean, listen, he's just not a shooter. That's just not what he is. Buddy Heald would provide the the shooting um, and a little bit of scoring Maybe not necessarily in the starting lineup, but could very well do so off the bench. DeMar DeRozan, excellent scorer. Um, not a three-point shooter, but excellent in the mid-range. Russell Westbrook just can't do either of them. Uh, he can't do mid-range, free throws, or threes. DeRozan is at least very good in the mid-range. Not the best when he steps out beyond the three-point line, but that's fine because you don't need DeRozan to do that uh, because he's going to make his... His outside shots, you know, the the long twos. And he's going to play defense. Um, Westbrook, he plays incredibly hard every single play. High effort, high energy guy, and I respect the heck out of him. But he's limited in what he can do. And I'll say this as well about Westbrook, is he doesn't necessarily, uh, when paired with other stars, elevate those stars. Like LeBron James elevated Chris Bosh. Dwayne Wade was already what he was. We, we're not going to say LeBron elevated Dwayne Wade, but LeBron elevated Kyrie Irving to what he, Kevin Love. Um, well, actually, actually, I don't even want to say that LeBron elevated Kevin Love. I retract that. Kevin Love was much better in Minnesota than he ever was in, in Cleveland. And that trade for Love was probably the worst thing that ever could have happened to him, even though he got a championship out of it. But LeBron, in most cases, elevates the stars he plays with. Russell Westbrook 
never really elevated Kevin Durant. He never elevated James Harden when he was in OKC or in Houston. Didn't really elevate Bradley Beal either. And you really think he's going to elevate LeBron James or Anthony Davis? No, he hasn't. Russell Westbrook is a great standalone star on a team that has a lot of young talent. Like when you look at when he was in Oklahoma City a couple years ago, um, his last year there led that team that had virtually nobody to the playoffs and got 40 wins. Like that's what Westbrook can do. And um, by no means am I saying that Buddy Heald can do that or DeMar DeRozan. No, they can't. But the thing is, is they provide so much more value that LeBron and AD can elevate those guys to be better. Russell Westbrook is just a much better standalone star than he is a star teammate. If the trade rumors are true, Westbrook Westbrook may not even make it through 2021 before he finds himself on a new team. Um, the problem is, where do you trade him to? I have no idea because he makes too much money. He makes like $44 million. I don't know what team would be willing to take on that kind of salary cap uh, or that kind of salary um, because when you trade in the NBA, you have to make salaries line up and match. And I don't, I don't know how that's going to work for the Lakers in terms of acquiring other talent for Russell Westbrook. Not sure what other team, I don't know what team would be willing to sacrifice some young talent or some solid bench talent for a star who's making, you know, 40, 45 million dollars. That'll do it for episode 147 of WFS, the Will Ford Show. Thanks so much for tuning in. This will, of course, be on SoundCloud, on Apple Podcasts, and on Spotify. Really, wherever you get your podcasts, go check it out. Episode 147. Um, also, you know, take a listen to episode 146 from a couple days ago, talking about Dak Prescott and Ben Roethlisberger, and kind of the teams for the Cowboys and the Steelers to this point in the year. Good to be back. I'll see you in episode 148 on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. This is WFS, the Will Ford Show. Mm-hmm.